As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In the wake of World War I and the Spanish flu pandemic, great changes came to America. Now this time of change known as the Roaring Twenties brought us radio, automobiles, flappers, illegal booze, and gangsters. It also brought us the first culture war battle right here in Appalachia. Today, folks, we tell the story of the Scopes Monkey Trial. Hello, y'all. I'm Steve Gilley, along with Rod Mullins, and this is Stories by History of Appalachia. You know, Steve, even to this day in the 21st century, this topic is still so controversial. And, you know, I, I can say I've not been exactly at the courthouse but I have been in Dayton, Tennessee. I've been around Bryan College for at least a college or university that is named after one of the subjects we're going to be talking about in this story. But I tell you, anytime that you mention the Scopes Monkey Trial, controversy is bound to erupt out of this. Indeed. But I, and I've got one that'll beat you. I've okay. not been down to Ray County. I've not been to Dayton or down to the courthouse, but... I know someone who is very closely related to one of the major players in this whole shebang. Let's just call it really, that. Are, mm -hmm. are you going to share? Yes, I will a little bit later on. Okay. Well, folks, the 1920s were a time of transition from a nation that was primarily rural to one that was increasingly urban. And that brought a conflict between those two parts of the country that still exist today. And one of the first battle lines between them was over religion and its role in America. Now, Charles Darwin, an English geologist and biologist, set sail on an expedition aboard the HMS Beagle in the middle part of the 19th century, visiting many places and giving him a chance to examine the plants and animals in different parts of the world. But this examination led to his theory of natural selection, which on its most basic level holds that plants and animals over time will adapt to changing conditions in their environment. This, in turn, led to his observation that natural selection would explain all the different diverse animal species in the world, both present and past. But it was when Darwin's theory of natural selection was applied to human beings that the conflict arose, for to believe his theory 
would in many minds contradict the inerrant teachings of the Bible provided by God himself. And in the first part of the 20th century, politicians began making moves to limit the teaching of Darwin's theories to the general public, with one of the first being in Tennessee in 1925. On March 25, 1925, State Representative John W. Butler, who was a farmer and head of the World Christian Fundamentals Association, managed to get an act passed in Tennessee that outlawed the teaching of the theory of evolution in the public schools, a law known forevermore as the Butler Act. Butler himself wasn't too clear on the specifics of evolution, stating, I didn't know anything about evolution. I'd read in the papers that boys and girls were coming home from school and telling their fathers and mothers that the Bible was all nonsense. Well, the governor at that time, Austin P., signed the bill into law mainly to get political support among rural counties, not thinking it would even be used in the future. Well, the governor, as history has shown, was sadly mistaken. <laughs> yes. The uh, new law got the attention of the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, and very quickly they offered to defend any teacher who was charged with a crime for teaching the theory of evolution in violation of the Butler Act. And this offer soon got the attention not of a teacher, but believe it or not, of a coal operator in southeast Tennessee. George Rappelier was the Ray County, Tennessee manager of coal and iron conglomerate, Cumberland Coal and Iron Company. And Mr. Rappelier had a brilliant idea, one that could get Ray County on the map and at the same time bring more business to the area, which one could assume would result in the sale of more coal and more iron. So Mr. Rappelier arranged a meeting with the Ray County Superintendent of Schools, Walter White, and a Dayton attorney, a man named Sue K. Hicks. Yes, Rod, a man named Sue. They met at the local drugstore, Robinson's Drugstore. There, George managed to convince the other two men of the publicity bonanza they potentially had on their hands if they could be the test case for the Butler Act, no matter what the outcome of the case turned out to be. Well, after discussing the matter and agreeing that Dayton would be the perfect place and setting for a full hearing on this law, they turned to who deciding, well, who would be the perfect defendant out of this? That choice was a 24-year-old high school science and math teacher named John T. Scopes. Now, he had substituted for the regular science teacher recently and had thought, and well, I, let me say it this way. He had taught the evolution lesson contained in the mandated textbook, which was required for that grade in class. It was a conundrum, if you want to say that. Correct, Steve? Uh, correct. And let me toss a little something else in here that I found out after I did some of this research. You know why he was the substitute science teacher? I have no idea, but I'm sure you're going to tell us. He was also the football and basketball coach. Really? Which is probably why those guys knew him, because they probably all gathered down at the drugstore. Right. Yeah. Anyway, Scopes was contacted and said he would be willing to serve as the defendant, although we couldn't swear that he, quote-unquote, taught evolution. All he remembered was going through the part of the textbook that spoke of evolution and showing the class the evolution chart contained therein. Ooh. Now, Mr. Scopes told his students that if 
they were called to testify before the grand jury, they should say that he taught them evolution in the classroom. And that time came very quickly. You see, all this talk of the Butler Act, teaching evolution to the state's children in a possible court case, started making the rounds in Ray County. And the circuit court judge, Judge John T. Ralston, decided it was better to get it out of the way to, than to avoid it. So he accelerated the convening of the grand jury and gave it instructions which all but guaranteed John Scopes would be indicted. And he was correct. Now, Scopes was indicted on a charge of violating the Butler Act and was arrested with a $500 bond required. Now, Mr. Scopes, Rod, never spent a second in jail because due to all that publicity that surrounded the case, the owner of none other than the Baltimore Sun put up that bond almost instantly and Scopes walked free until the trial. Wow. Well, that man named Sue Hicks and his brother Herbert, a complete dichotomy in names here, law partners in Dayton agreed to be the prosecutors. Well, since they were friends with Scopes, uh, well, the prosecution was taken over by district attorney and future U.S. Senator from Tennessee, Tom Stewart, and assisted by Dayton attorney, Gordon McKenzie, who was a zealous supporter of the Butler Act on religious grounds. Meanwhile, George Rapalier was still out promoting Dayton and Ray County and the trial to whomever might be interested. He even then sent out a letter to none other than that British novelist, H.G. Wells, you know, War of the Worlds, The Shape of Things to Come, uh, so on and so on, inviting him to come to America to represent John Scopes in the trial. Wells, knowing his limitations, politely turned down the offer, stating that not only did he not know American law, very smart on his part, he was neither a licensed barrister or solicitor in England. So would be he would be, I should say, woefully incompetent should he try to defend the accused teacher. Instead, University of Tennessee School of Law professor John R. Neal, whose story we've told in one of our first podcasts, was chosen to sit in the defense chair. And Rod, that would have been that, but for the World Christian Fundamentals Association, you know, those folks that got the law passed to begin with, right. they decided to kick it all up a notch or two, so to speak. The founder and president of the association, a Baptist minister named William Bell Riley, managed to obtain the services of none other than the three-time Democratic presidential candidate William Jennings Bryan to serve as its representative. Now, Sue Hicks also invited Bryan to become involved on the side of the prosecution, and Bryan accepted both offers and was in. Not to be outdone the defense team approached one of the preeminent lawyers of the early 20th century, Clarence Darrow, to see if he would come in to help defend Scopes. Well, at first, Darrow declined the offer, not wanting to see the trial turned into a circus, but um, yeah, a little too late for that. It soon became obvious to him that with the entry of Brian, a circus was unavoidable. So Clarence Darrow agreed to enter the big top and join the show. And by this time, the trial had become national news. Remember that Baltimore Sun, Rod? Yes. Well, that paper that bailed John Scopes out of jail sent down author H.L. Mencken to report for them, resulting in that famous name for the trial, the Scopes Monkey Trial. 
Wow. Well, not only that, but every major newspaper in the country had reporters in Dayton covering the proceedings along with national radio. In fact, radio broadcast the trial live the first time that ever had, well, happenings like this and predating court TV by a good eight decades. <laughs> so now the trial is set to go in the summer of 1925. And we're going to tell you about that part of the story in part two of this podcast, which is coming up next week. Mm, can't hardly wait, Rod. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to save my uh, story, at least part of that, till we get to the second part next week about uh, my time at Bryan College and kind of looking around and seeing things and, you know, hearing the, the legends that kind of go around with it. But wow. What a beginning. I learned something out of this that I didn't even know, that it was all just a dreamed up publicity stunt from the very beginning. Yeah, indeed it was. And I promised I'd share my little story. Yeah. And it, it is just a little story, but it is, some of you may not know this. A lot of you do. I am a arguer for hire in real life, an attorney. Okay. And when I first started practicing, there was an older gentleman there who in the law office who sort of took me under his wing and mentored me. Mm -hmm. His name was Jackson C. Ralston. Now, does that last name sound familiar to you, Rod? Yes, it does. We, we mentioned something back in the story here about a Ralston, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Yeah. See, Jack Ralston was from Dayton, Tennessee, uh -huh. ended up coming up to Kingsport sometime after world war two and settled down and practiced law. He was the baby cousin of Judge John T. Ralston. Wow. Small world. It is indeed. And, and I said, just a small story, but, uh, you know, a little bit of a personal connection there for me. Wow. Well, folks, that's part one of our story of the Scopes Monkey Trial, another part of the history of this place we call home, Appalachia. Thanks for listening. Now, you can subscribe to the audio version of the Stories Podcast at our website, storiespodcast.net, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, TuneIn, Audible, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, etc., etc., etc. Till next time, y'all take care. So long, everybody. So long. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.